Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode on the What Is Eating You podcast. I'm your host and psychologist, and today I have a co-host, my dad, who is driving me to the airport. Welcome to the show, Mr. Andrew Giorgio. Good morning, everybody. How are you feeling today? Fantastic. Amazing. Well, I thought I'd record this on the go. So if you haven't met my dad before, let's give him a little bit of an an introduction. So dad, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself, where you grew up and how you ended up in Australia. Well, I grew up in Cyprus, immigrated with my parents to London for 20 years, did my schooling. And then I came to Australia for a holiday with my wife and we loved it so much. We decided to immigrate and it was just me, her and my little firstborn Penelope. Yes. So we have two other sisters. I have two other sisters, two older sisters. My first sister was born the oldest in London and then me and Irene were born here. And dad, when you came to Australia, you didn't have a job. You didn't have anything. Is that right? What did you do? Well, I do remember when I came for a holiday and I went around and looked into shopping centers, etc., etc. I was fascinated with some of the kiosks where they did the engraving and, and, and that sort of thing. And that, that was something I knew nothing about. I knew about other stuff that I did in, in London, a different kind of profession. I was in fashion making factories over there, garments. I was in dry cleaning earlier on. 
I did try, you know, different things. I, I was very growing up and after school, I, I learned the shoe trade, the shoe repairs. I used to go after school in a little tiny shop. And by the time I was 16, I was experienced shoe repairer. In those days, it was a very, a very busy profession because everybody was wearing different types of shoes. No sneakers. It was r- leather sh- soles, rubber heels, and uh, they needed to be changed. Like, tires on cars is it it was a very busy profession I love that you were hustling from a young age fixing shoes I do remember and I I thought to myself oh I must learn this engraving because I can combine when I can I had a vision of combining engraving and and the key cutting that I knew and and the shoe repairs and perhaps open up keels and this is what I was looking for and this is what I did when I first came. I worked for a company for the first, I believe, about three, four months. And once I learned the, the localities, the, the layout of the city, and discovered the Victoria Market, somebody took me there and I saw how many thousands of people used to go there. And I thought, oh my God, I hit the jackpot. If I start here, I'll make a fortune. Yes. And if you don't know, we do have a family business is... Like Dad said, fashion, engraving, dog tags, pet tags, all those things. And now my sister does look after it. So if you're in the Queen Vic market, come say hi. Send away of K-Shed. Little plug for the shop, Dad. And I love that you had a vision and you knew what you wanted to sort of do and you saw all the people and you got really excited. Was this a big risk for someone like you to take who came here with nothing, basically? Well, I didn't come here with nothing. We were lucky enough. We had our own house in the UK where we, we sold it and we had a, a start. So we, we, we bought our first house in Park Orchards, which I thought it was the most beautiful place. Just outside Melbourne, pine trees, an acre. And I thought, oh, what a wonderful place. I even got chickens. I got a goat. And I thought, oh, this is the life. So different. <laughs> and I remember taking Penny to the local school and taking the goat with us in the morning as well for a walk. And she took the goat for show and tell, didn't she? Jerry, his name was Jerry. And do you know how I got Jerry? Oh my God, tell us how you got the goat. Well, we had a bed to sell because we were changing, I believe, or a double to a single or something like that, or a a single to a double because we had, I think Irene was going to be born. And a local person there, you know, answered my ad in the, in the local meal bar. I put a little note and I, I drove the up, up and to deliver the bed that it wasn't far away. And they were goating in her front yard. She was on an acreage and I ended up trading the, the bed for the goat. Yeah. This is like the full olden days, like barter, like bartering a goat. That's right. And because, because our house was on an acre, the uh, people who had the house had a little stable on the side. So I thought, well, that, that will be the house for, 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 for Jerry. And he can eat all the grass, saving me having to, to cut the grass, which was okay. It was good. It worked, it worked all right, except Jerry kept escaping. And one night I, I woke up in the middle of the night with mum. We thought we had burglars, noises outside the front door. And I jumped out and went to investigate. And there was Jerry chewing at all the flowers and shrubs 
oh my God. So the goat was chewing all the flowers and shrubs and it returned, even though it tried to escape. That's just, it's so funny because we just grew up in this era of Facebook and Facebook marketplace and selling stuff. But you forget that our parents actually lived in a time where this was a thing. Was it a thing or was it a you thing? No, no, no. That, no, that's, that's how things got done. You know, I mean, it was completely different. And the other thing I remember, one, one night, Jerry got attacked by a bitten on the leg. Uh, he had a small puncture wound. So I tried to be the, the doctor, you know, and I, I put some antiseptic and bandaged it. And after a while, she, it was fine. So, you know, you, you, you sort of more or less did everything yourself. Like you say, in those days, you know, things were different. People did things themselves. You know, yeah, you don't. You wouldn't take a goat to a vet, I imagine, and a bit of Windex did the job. <laughs> I want to talk about something because I find this story so incredible, and when I tell people, they are absolutely perplexed by it. And it is the time you were struggling with mental health difficulties. I believe it was in London when you had the factory, and you didn't know what it was, and it led to this big operation. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yes, I, like I said, I was in, in a different profession before before that, and circumstances changed. We, we sold the shop. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got involved with a, with a partner. He was in manufacturing. He was in a difficult, going through a difficult time. So I had some experience. I was young. I was energetic. I was, I was smart. I, 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 I knew how to sort of run a business. So I went in, I helped along, but I had no experience in the actual technical side, you know, in the making or anything. And I found that with me, and when there is something I can't put my hands on to solve the problem, I feel, I felt trapped. And because I couldn't find a solution to some of the problems, for example, when garments got made, and then they would be sent back because of some minor difficulties and they would have to be undone and done and that, that sort of thing. I mean, people take it into the stride when, when you're technical and you know, you know, but I found this a challenge and they built up from there and it built up and until I, it overwhelmed me and I found that after seeing, you know, a doctor, etc., diagnosed with depression and, and was put on medication for a while. But even before the depression, you didn't know what it was. You just kept feeling sick. Was there physical symptoms? Because didn't this lead to you getting your appendix or something removed? Oh, yes. The, the, the physical symptoms were in the morning and even during the day, but especially in the morning, getting up in the morning and knowing that I had to face the, the, going into the factory would make me throw up. First thing in the morning, I would go to brush my teeth and I would throw up. I remember I would get in the car with mom and we'd drive. And the minute I reached the factory, I would run and vomit again. Yeah. It was dread, a sense of dread and nausea. And it was bile, bile. Uh, the doctor thought it was I've had my appendix removed. While I was in hospital, I do remember... I was in hospital for about three, four days, and I was away from the hustle and bustle of the factory, et cetera, et cetera. Not a single day did I vomit or, or, or 
thought about what the word. And I remember, oh, it must have been my appendix because I haven't vomited at all. Wait, wait, wait. So you went to the doctor, you described these symptoms of throwing up when you get to work, feeling dread, feeling nausea. And the doctor's like, well, let's remove your appendix. Did you have any problems with your appendix? No. No, yeah. Look, here. Does that not sound, I mean, I know back in the days they didn't know about mental health, but was this just anxiety? But because the symptoms stopped because you weren't at the factory, of course you thought it would, would have been the appendix. Yeah. Look, Dr. Panizzi, he was a very good doctor. He was in his mid-80s, I would say, very old, early 90s. With the symptoms I presented to him, obviously, you know, and I don't know, he, he did an examination, pressed here and there. That's what he did. He, he did juice and within a, a, you know, a week or two, I was booked into a, the local hospital and, and they removed it. But when I came back to work after a couple of weeks, whatever it was, it started again. So we knew it wasn't that. And, and I remember one day, the thing that triggered and, I, and, and made me uh, look for help was that I went to, I think I'm, my local GP referred me to a psychologist or psychiatrist at the local hospital. I, I went there and I was a bit early. I was about 10 minutes and I just sat in the car park and I started crying in the car. And until the time arrived, because I, I felt so sad, I didn't know why I was so sad. I felt hopeless. I felt that the weight of the world was on my shoulders, you know. And I went in, spoke to me, and I started crying again. And he said, to, and I remember he wasn't very supportive, uh, just like, oh, I will prescribe you this and snap out of it kind of thing. But it wasn't like that, you know. I mean, nowadays... You, you you know people get counseling there it's more it's more so much better recognized yes i i, I felt i was just a number and there, there we go dad you're not just a number yeah I prescribed some antidepressants i remember they they made me sleepy all the time i remember going to what made me feel good was visiting friends, just getting out of the house, just visiting friends and with mom or whatever. But I remember it must have been the medication. I would fall asleep. And as time went, I decided to, I've given the job, the factory, etc. And then that sort of solved it as well. That, that, yes. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, you know yourself better than anyone. And I think sometimes your symptoms can really come from your environment. And this is what I say to people, did your anxiety or depressive symptoms, did they start at a particular time? So once you left the job, did the symptoms get better and have they ever come up again and how do you deal with them? Look, it, 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 they did come back, but this is maybe 20 years further down the track when I went through the time when we sold our a house, build a second house, and then we're going to sell that one. And we had to we had to either knock down and not the place which we live now, or renovate it. And I was getting mixed messages from you know different people, different people in the trade, 
Some said, no, knock it down and build. Others, no, it's 50-50, renovate. So this caused me again because I, I wasn't the person who, that knew the facts to make an informed decision. That, that started the anxiety again. So it sounds like your anxiety is driven by uncertainty. When you're uncertain about something and you need to make a big decision, what is it? Is it the fear of making the wrong decision? Do you catastrophize what could go wrong? Exactly. That's exactly right. I see visions of catastrophe. And these are thoughts that may never eventuate, of course. It's just thoughts that, oh, but this would happen or that can happen and this will happen. And yes. Do you ever visualize what could go right? Like when you were moving to, when you were here from, overseas, you had visions of how good the market would be and how amazing things could happen. Like, do you ever stop to think, okay, well, this is the worst case scenario, but if this house goes right, what does the best case scenario look like? I've never had any coaching by any psychologist or whatever to think like that on thoughts. It's only, actually, it's you who said, these are only thoughts. I've heard you say it a few times. These are just thoughts. It's not an actual thing, you know, just you know, brush them aside. They're, they're only thoughts with it. Thoughts come and go and they're part of your thinking, you know, part of our makeup. Oh, I can tell you've been listening to the podcast and to my stories. <laughs> and it's so true because the reason is your brain is not designed to thrive. It's just designed to survive and keep you safe. And it will do anything to keep you safe. Think of the worst case scenario. It doesn't want you taking action. It doesn't want you stepping out of your comfort zone. But what you can do, Dad, is in those moments you feel anxious and stressed, imagine, yes, maybe the worst case scenario, but what's the best case scenario and what's the most likely case scenario? Like with the pool. Yeah, well, like with the pool and the best case scenario would be I'll be able to run my equipment and the filter, which hasn't been running. I think ever since we bought the house, the, the problem was there and I didn't really had the guts to excavate because it, it's a it was it's a big job and not knowing you know yes but then I'll be able to run things properly and 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 they'll be all right but you know I had visions of the wall collapsing you know the never finding the problem and 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 things like that you know yeah and we helped dad through that by saying okay but even if that happens then what happens then what happens then what happens yes it might cost money to fix but when you allow your mind to actually accept the worst case scenario, it's not that bad. But now that you think of the potential best case scenario, how does that scenario make you feel? Well, it makes me feel good. Even as we speak now, after I drop you off at the airport, I've, I've arranged for a laborer to do the, the, the some of the digging. There's only a little bit of digging left, half a day's work. I tried to do, and we did a little bit with uh, with big. And once he gets done, then the plumbers will come in, lay new pipes. The earth would go back on the soil, da-da-da. I will put uh, fresh paving and fix the old, you, you know, uh, because it needed to be done. So it would look fantastic. And that's it. It's just a, a, a question of cost. And it's not going to be all that, you know, just a few thousand dollars. There you go. And that's how we work through it. And you know what? In 10 years from now, 15 years from now, is it going to matter? No, it's not going to matter. I mean, 
looking back again, you know, time goes by, life goes on, kids grow, grandchildren grow. Those are the important things, you know, the, these minor things that we, we pass in our lives. And they're only the small things, you know, they're the hiccups in the road. Exactly. And I love your wisdom because growing up, you know, I always had these ideas or creative things. And to be honest, I think many parents would be like, don't pursue that or don't try it. Like, for example, I started a few different businesses. I used to sell things on eBay. And then at the market, I would deliver coffees. And then I yeah, just had lots of different businesses. And I opened my first business at 22. It's in my book, if you want to read about it. And you were always so supportive, Dad. You've always encouraged us to go for our dreams, even if they are crazy or they end up being a total failure. Why is that? Because you, you are quite a risk-averse person at times. It's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I don't like taking risks in life. I've, I, I, when, you, when you say like that, it's true. Even with work, with business, I've always taken the, the, the safe path, you know, the steady as she goes. But I remember my parents, I mean, they were just simple working class people. They never encouraged, encouraged me to do anything. It was me who, who, who did it. From, from the time I was 13 years old and went to the local shop and asked him, can I come and and, and, and help and, and clean up. And that's what I did. And after, you know, sweeping up the floors, and then I, within two years, I, I could work that machine. And I had a second job on a Saturday job. And, and by the time I was 17, I bought my first little car and drove to school. I gave my teacher a lift. My teacher used to come on a bicycle. Wow. How did that feel? Well, I felt I was, I, 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 I still remember it. I bought my first car, I had 147 pounds saved up. That was pounds in which would have been about $250 the equivalent in those days. And I looked in the local, we had books in those days. We had something called Exchange Mart where people bought and sold things. And there was no eBay, there was no internet. And I looked to find a car that would be about that price. I didn't know that I had to buy insurance or any other associated cop. And I found one. I, 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 I went, bought it. And I remember sitting watching TV that night. It was at 10 o'clock or something. And I thought, I'm going to go for a ride. Mom and dad were in bed. I got up, got in my car and just went for a ride around the 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 area there just around the block and i felt i was king of the world the freedom honestly that feeling that because until then i well, i rode a bike or i walked or i caught the train the 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 underground the tube that's how you know we i moved around enough but i had my own car i drove to school it was beautiful i love that you were independent and the power of feeling independent is amazing, especially at that age. Wow. So I guess if people are listening to this podcast and I don't know, maybe they're struggling with their mental health or an aspect of their life or they hate their job, what are some words of wisdom you might give them? Because, you know, you're 73 years old and you've been around for a long time. What's something you've learned about 
life or what's something you, I don't know, you think people should know, like people in my age bracket maybe? Look, the thing that I've learned, do what you enjoy. Do what you enjoy doing. You read it, you, you hear it often, but it's true. If you enjoy what you're doing, and I've always enjoyed interaction with people at the market. I loved every day. I, I, I couldn't wait to go there. My neighbors, my friends, customers. It's been 40 odd years and people come and still look for me and ask for Andy, you know. They ask Irene and they ask for Andy, where is your dad? Yeah, da, 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 da. You know, and, and that made me happy. And I've always, always, always thought, like to help people. So even if somebody came for a small thing that was, you know, I didn't make him any money out of it, but just to help him, whether he was making him a necklace that was only a couple of dollars, but it would take me, you know, more time to make it than it was worth and all that. That gave me satisfaction. Yes, I love that. Do what makes you happy. And I'm a big believer in do what makes you happy. and the monetary reward will come. Exactly. And you can be in an industry where you're making heaps of money, but you don't feel that fulfillment and that joy and that happiness. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that advice. Well, Dad, it's been amazing speaking to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know and me and Andy can do a part two. And I'm just so grateful Thank you so much for being on the episode, Dad. We can't wait to have you on again. I enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.